Welcome to the HCC Podcast. Our mission is to nurture love for God, love for self, and love for others as the highest goal of humanity. May the following message nurture that love in your life. And remember, you're always welcome at HCC. It's a perfect church for less than perfect people. Peace. Every Christmas tree is intended to take the widest gaze that we typically have off of everything on this earth and direct our attention in a narrowing fashion to the cross of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly what the beginning of this Christmas sermon series is intended to do. To take the widest view and continue to direct your attention to the very personhood of Jesus Christ. Would you welcome our bishop, our regional bishop today, Stan Holder, to deliver the message of the Word of God to you today. Well, hello again. It's so good to see you today and to be able to have the opportunity to be with you on this first Sunday of December in the year of our Lord, 2020. And uh, who would have thought that 2020 would have been the year that it has become? But nevertheless, the last time that I was here, uh, I never dreamed that I'd be uh, coming to greet you with face mask on and uh, social distancing, and I couldn't shake your hand and uh, can't, can't hug your neck, and, uh, but I can say I love you, and I thank God for you, and uh, we're making it through this, aren't we? And uh, so to God be the glory. You know, we've been invaded uh, by a virus, and we've been violated by a virus, and, uh, but I, I'm hopeful that before too long, we can kind of see some order brought back to things, and at least we can have some semblance of church the way that it used to be and have our times of fellowship and interaction again. But from my heart to yours, God bless you and Merry Christmas to you. Teresa and I are honored to serve you as Administrative Bishop. It's always good to have her with me and I recognize her today. I appreciate also Pastor uh, Steve Hall and LaDon, what wonderful leaders they are and most cherished friends. And uh, we have grown extremely close to them in our short time here in Delmarva, and uh, God gave us a, a gift in the halls, and we're just appreciate so much your fellowship and, and your ministry. Well, this morning, I, I get the opportunity to kind of bring the uh, first Christmas message, as uh, Bishop normally does um, here in the region, to the heritage community, and this is a beautiful community of faith, and I'm just honored that uh, I can be here today and to share with you the word of the Lord. So I want to take you to the Word of God in Luke chapter 2, and you can follow with me in your Bible, or you can follow with me on the screen, either one, and we're going to look to the Word of God today and see what God's Word would have to say to us. This morning, I, I, want, to, I want to speak on one word. Uh, that's the word suddenly. Suddenly. And uh, I've noticed something about the word suddenly that I'll get to in just a moment, but... I want to take you in Luke chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, because here's what the Bible says in these two verses. It says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to men. Father, I ask you to anoint me this morning. Give me the ability to communicate the words that you've given to me this week. And I pray, Father, that this message will be a message of edification to the body of Christ. 
and that we all as one will be touched by it and ministered by it, and we will grow closer to you through it. For this I ask in Jesus' name, amen. Well, apparently God is into suddenlies. As I uh, began to uh, uh, look in the Bible and, and study that word, I found 87 suddenlies in the Bible. Number one, just joking, just joking. I certainly am not going to take the time to read all 87 to you, but just to kind of give you a little bit of an idea of what I'm talking about. The Bible said that on the Sea of Galilee, a storm suddenly arose. The Bible tells us on the Mount of Transfiguration that Moses and Elijah suddenly appeared. On the day of Pentecost, suddenly there was a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. As Saul was traveling to Damascus, the Bible says that suddenly a bright light shone all about him. Paul and Silas are worshiping in jail one day, and suddenly there was an earthquake that hit the jailhouse. It was said of the master of the house, in case he should come suddenly and find you asleep. And on and on I could go of the different examples of the word suddenly in Scripture. Well, the night that Jesus was born, we find another one of these opportunities to look into the word suddenly. There was a sudden moment for the shepherds. Their night started out like any other night, probably in a lot of ways like your night and my night would start. We may sit around the dinner table talking about the affairs of the day or what we just heard on the news, and we may be talking about COVID-19 today, but back in those days, they were probably talking about taxes. Because a guy by the name Caesar Augustus was getting ready to tax the world. And so Mary and Joseph, one of the younger couples had to go pay their taxes, and the Bible says that they got their trusted donkey, and he got his wife, who was with, the Bible says, great with child. Any mothers know what great with child means? It's great with child means that she was probably, well, we know she was, in the ninth month of pregnancy. And she's great with child, and they have a few personal possessions, because obviously, apparently, Wherever they went to there in Judea, they would have to make a long enough trip to spend the night, pay their taxes, and make their way back home. We know that because when she goes into labor, uh, uh, Joseph is trying to find a place for them to stay. And they go to the innkeeper, and you know the story. The innkeeper says, I'm sorry, there's no room in the inn. And uh, the next issue is, is what am I going to do since there's no hotels available? So the Bible, as you know and I know, tells us that Mary eventually was in a stable-like structure to where she gave birth to a baby. Now in Jewish homes in, uh, in Middle Eastern times, especially in those days, many times a, a, a manger or even a stable would literally be attached to your house. Now it doesn't mean that the animals necessarily lived in the same room as you, but they were attached to the same building as you. So it's very possible that they were also in a family's home that didn't have any beds, so the only place she could stay and she could sit down or lay down was there where the animals was kept as well. 
But here's the thing about it. When the baby was born, that was one thing. But the story that we're looking at today tells us what happened many, many miles away. Because when the baby is born in Bethlehem in a stable, the Bible says that Gabriel, one of the angels, the highest ranking angel in heaven, shows up to these shepherds that are in a field keeping watch over their flock by night. Now, I'm sure they were talking about a lot of things. I'm sure maybe they were talking about, you know, taking care of the sheep. But all of a sudden, in the midst of all of their conversation and the sheep bedding down for the night and keeping an eye so that no wild animals will kill any of the sheep, the Bible says that Gabriel or an angel appeared before these shepherds. They received an angelic visitor. And the Bible says that the glory of the Lord shone all about them, and they were afraid. And the Scripture says that the angel tells them, now whatever you do, don't be afraid. This is not something to be fearful of. I bring you good tidings of great joy. I've got good news for you. For unto you this day is born in the city of David a Savior. Christ the Lord, and you shall find him wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And the minute he says that, suddenly, suddenly a multitude of angelic hosts appear. And they start saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace and goodwill to all men. Now, I'm a little bit fascinated with angels. I have become fascinated during the pandemic cycle. I've always had an interest in them, but the last three months or so, I've been doing a lot of uh, uh, reading and kind of Googling about angels. You know, the millennials, the young people are teaching me about Googling everything, you know. And, uh, and, and I've discovered thus far, and I've still got a ways to go on it, but I've discovered 144 things in Scripture that the angel has done. As a matter of fact, I am so fascinated by these created beings. I've discovered that they carry messages, they provide food, they intervene on God's behalf, they fight battles, they don't marry, they don't die, they are wise, they love worship, they love praise, they get involved in human affairs, they express emotions like joy and happiness, they serve God, they even have the capacity to rebel and follow a rogue leader. Right? Because one-third of them did that, and that's why Satan, like lightning, was cast out of heaven. And a third of the angelic host that was created before the foundation of the world was cast out with him. Angels are all very and extremely powerful as well. You remember when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane? And they arrest him, and he makes a statement. He said, Do you, don't you realize that I could pray to my Father, and he would send 12 legions of angels to my aid? Well, the word legion in the, in, in the Greek New Testament, when you begin to look it up, it means a minimum of something like 6,000. So anytime you have a legion of anything, you have 6,000 of something. Now, you could have... 8,000, but a minimum is 6,000. So if we were to take the minimum 
okay, of 6,000 and apply it to 12 legions of angels, then Jesus was basically saying, I could call right now 72,000 angels to come and to deliver me. Now, what could they do? Well, we know from uh, Isaiah chapter 37 that one angel killed 185,000 Assyrian soldiers in one night. So if one angel could kill 185,000 people, then 6,000 angels could kill 1,110,000,000 people. But Jesus said that he would give me at least 12 uh, legions of angels. So if, if 6,000 could kill 1,000,000,000 plus, then 72,000 angels could kill 13,320,000,000 people. Now, that's more people that are on earth right now. That's twice the number of what's on earth right now. The point I'm trying to make is angels are extremely powerful. And we learned, just as a side note, this is not in my sermon, but just a side note, doesn't that teach us Jesus didn't need Peter to grab Malchus's sword and go to his defense? You know, you know what? Jesus didn't need you and I to pick up a sword and fight our own battles. Don't we have a tendency to do that sometimes? Don't we have a tendency to take things into our own hands sometimes and fix our own problems sometimes? Let me tell you something, my friend. God is very capable of handling His problems and yours. He's very capable of handling His problems and my problems. We don't need to take matters into our own hands. We need to look to the God of glory and we need to depend on Him and let Him handle the affairs of our lives. Amen? Amen. Amen. Give the Lord praise. Now, a multitude could be any number, a hundred, a thousand, ten thousand, a million, I don't know. The Bible doesn't tell us how many angels God created at the foundation of the world. We don't know the number. What we do know is however many He created, a third of them fell. So whatever He created, two-thirds of them are still in heaven, Right? And they're carrying out all of these things that I mentioned and many, many more things. Well, what are they doing? They're praising God. They're carrying out messages. And there's, here, then, they're proclaiming a message. On this hillside, among these shepherds, all of this multitude of angels suddenly shows up. And here's what they begin to say. Glory to God in the highest. And on earth. Peace and goodwill toward men. Now, I wasn't there, and you weren't there. And obviously, we don't know exactly how it happened. And the Bible, I cannot prove scripturally. I've tried. But I cannot prove scripturally that they sang these words. But I've got a pretty good idea that it sounded like singing. When there's that many angels a multitude of them, saying these words at the same time. You've got to believe it sounded like singing. Angels can sing, can't they? Sure, my mother used to call me an angel. My grandchildren still think I'm an angel. My wife knows I'm an angel. When Jesus spoke to the leader of the church in Revelation, He called us angels. And when I'm happy, I sing 
When I'm full of joy, I sing. I drive Teresa nuts in the car. It's 11 hours from our house uh, in Columbia to the other one we have in Alabama. And I'll sing and I drive her crazy. But I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. I, I just It doesn't mean that it sounds good. It doesn't mean that it's a glorious tone. It just means that from my, from the abundance of my belly, from my heart, I love to sing. So I've got a pretty good idea. These angels are happy about what they're talking about. Let's look at the power of their song. The power of their song. They sang about something that men could finally understand. Something that men could finally understand and something if they would take the time to understand, they could apply it to their life. They said that this event gave glory to God. Now think about the fact that they were present at creation when the universe was totally black. They were there. And yet when God said, let there be light, Nowhere do we find in Scripture that they said glory to God. When God said, let the mountains and the seas be formed, nowhere do we find that they rejoiced. To them, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, this was the highest achievement of the Godhead. And they were so excited about it. They had been anticipating it so long that when Mary finally gives birth to that baby in a manger, the multitude of angelic hosts shows up on a hillside. And they begin with their top of their voices. They start shouting, and I believe singing, glory to God in the highest. And on earth peace and goodwill to men. Jewish tradition teaches us that there are ten ranks of angels. Can you imagine the glory that makes its way through the ranks? From the lowest rank to the ninth, to the eighth, to the seventh, to the sixth, to finally those winged, six-winged creatures that are around the throne of God perpetually. When all the news finally makes its way through the angelic host and all the universe, not just the earth, but the universe is now made aware of the fact that a Savior has been born in the city of David. So they sang glory. In Hebrew, glory means heaviness or weight, but in the Greek tense, which is where we find it here, it means respect, excellence, magnificence, reverence. No wonder the first word out of their mouth was glory. But then they added glory to God. If glory is a true fact, it has to be attributed to someone. And they knew the only one worthy of glory would have been the God of all creation. They sang glory to God in the highest. Because someone worthy of such glory would have to be seated at the highest place. Right? So you see, if God is glorified with every dewdrop that reflects the morning sun... If God is glorified with every song that the birds sing. If God is glorified with every wave that rolls to the ocean shore. If God is glorified with every breeze that rushes through the trees. If God is glorified with every star that twinkles in the sky. 
and every bolt of lightning and bolt of thunder that rolls in the sky, then surely, then surely, then surely He's glorified when the Son of God is born and a Savior is giving to the world. Before we move on from this, we need to understand that angels believe in no doctrine that uncrowns Christ and puts the crown upon the head of mortals. I'm sick and tired of hearing the glory uh, attributes of some people in Christianity that try to bring attention to themselves and make it all about them. I'm sick and tired of seeing that. If you can find a preacher like Pastor Hall that will hide behind the cross of Calvary, you need to stick with a preacher like that. You need to find somebody that doesn't want to put themselves above anyone else. If angels show disdain for anybody trying to uncrown Christ, then surely you and I should find that in ministers today that do that. God help us today. They believe in no system of faith that makes salvation dependent upon man. No way could man save himself. They, they're only interested in praising and worshiping God and carrying out the message of God to the world. Look at their language. They proclaimed what they had never proclaimed before. It was a new song because they added words on earth. Peace. I don't know about you, but there's been some moments in 2020 I've really needed some peace. Can we just be real with each other? I know we're not through it yet, but I'm worn out by it. They couldn't sing that part before now. Man had fallen, there was no true peace. Wars had raged to the ends of the world. People had been slaughtered. There was no peace. But now in a manger in Bethlehem, God signed a peace treaty with mankind. Right here, right now, you may think that I'm talking about earthly wars. No, I'm not. I'm talking about spiritual wars. I'm talking about the war that rages within each, one, each, each of us right now. And if we have a spiritual war going on, the only way to find peace in the middle of that spiritual war is to find relationship with the Prince of Peace, with the King of Peace. Go to Sinai, you'll find no peace in the law. You go to Babel, you'll find no peace in man-made traditions. You go to Mars Hill, you'll find no peace in philosophy. You go to the Sanhedrin, you'll find no peace in formal, traditional religion. You go to Mount Carmel, you'll find no peace in the false gods of Baal of this world. But I promise you, if you'll come to Jesus Christ, you'll find peace that passes all understanding. I promise you, if you'll come to Him, you'll finally understand not only peace with God, but the peace of God. You get peace with God when you accept Him as your Savior. You get the peace of God because all of the benefits and attributes that He gives to us when we call upon Him. That's why you can stand in the middle of a pandemic and have the peace of God. That's why you can stand at a hospital room and have the peace of God. That's why you can go to a funeral home and have the peace of God because there's something about relationship with God that He comes into the middle of our storms and He speaks peace. 
peace. Even right now, I pray every morning, and uh, lately I've been writing prayer needs on my mirrors because I don't want to forget them. When I'm dressing, I'll look at my prayer requests that I've written on my mirror, and I pray, God, give our pastors, give our parsonages peace. You know what we've got right now? We've got something called parsonage fatigue. Parsonage fatigue. And this man right here, one of the reasons I love him and his wife so much is they're helping me minister to ministers. Through Ministry Oasis. He's doing a Zoom tomorrow night with one of with the ministers in Illinois. I was texting with the overseer last night and he's invited Pastor Steve to do a conference with ministers in Illinois because we have parsonage fatigue. People are at their wit's end with this thing. And the only way, the only way that you can find a way to navigate through all of this trouble is to have relationship with God. I've got to hurry. I've got to hurry. I'm on point one. I love you. Okay, I'll do my best. (laughs) I've got a watch on. I have it for a reason. It's to make you feel better. It don't make me any shorter, but at least you know I've got one, okay? I promise I'll hurry. I want you to see the love here. Look at the final stanza. Good will toward men. Some think that God takes no interest in the affairs of you and I. (laughs) But what do you find here? You find Him giving us the very best thing that He had. God doesn't mean you any harm. He means good will to you. He's willing to pardon, to forgive, to erase the record. Thank God that you've erased my past. (laughs) I wouldn't want to go through some of the things of my past and tell you. I just want you to know I'm just thankful that God has pardoned my past. Look at the position very quickly. I'll go fastly through this, quickly through this. Their emotion was first one of joy and gladness. If the angels usher in this news with joy and gladness, shouldn't I preach with gladness? <laughs> shouldn't we sing with gladness? You know, shouldn't we give the announcements with gladness? My, my, our friend that gave the, uh, 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 the announcements on video today, you know, I appreciate him. One of the things he needs to be thankful for is his hands because he couldn't talk if he couldn't use his hands. Right? If he's in this room, I mean that complimentary that's not a criticism look at me I'm using my hands you see the truth of the matter is we all should live with joy even in the midst of pandemic we can have joy we can have peace we can have happiness you see Christianity was not designed to make our lives pleasure less the angels tell the story with joy not with groans and sighs They say, glory to God. That's why Paul would say, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say, what? Rejoice, amen. You see, child of God, our second emotion should be one of faith and confidence. God didn't send some dark creature down to announce this to the shepherds on the hillside. He sent His highest ranking angel. His messenger to deliver this news. 
Have you ever noticed when you read the Christmas story, not one time do we ever find that they doubted the message? Nowhere do you ever find that they thought, hmm, I wonder if this is true. No, they didn't. They believed exactly. Listen, because if a multitude of angels show up around me, honey, and the glory of the Lord starts shining around me, I'm going to believe what they have to say too. Amen? Let me rush through this. Look at the prophecy in their message. I'm on point three now. See how quick I got through point two? The angel's words are filled with prophetic meaning. Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and goodwill toward men. But when we look around, can I say this even in America right now? We look around, does it appear to you that God is being forgotten? That man is chasing after mammon? Running like Nimrod throughout the earth? Divided the hate that's in our atmosphere right now, the division that's in our midst right now. You look around and you see all of this, and when 2020 should have been our year of perfect vision, it has become the year of challenge and fear and turmoil and headache. In the midst of pandemic, we need this peace. They knew prophetically that there was a brighter day ahead. If Christmas teaches us anything, it's the fact that since God came once, I guarantee you, He will come again. Listen to what the new earth is going to be like. The lion will eat straw like the ox. In other words, he's going to be a vegetarian. Right now you watch those African channels and the lion chases after gazelles and all kind of things. And, but the lion is going to eat straw like the ox. The leopard's going to lie down with the kids, speaking of a baby goat. And my wife's going to love this next part. And a weaned child will put his hand in the cockatrice den to play with the little chickens and will be also be able to play with the asp, the snakes. She hates snakes. <clears throat> she won't even watch them on TV. But the day's going to come, honey, when you can take a boa restrictor and you can put it around your neck like a turtleneck sweater. <laughs> and you can walk around saying, look at me, I've been delivered from my fear once and for all. Ah, uh, hey, the truth of the matter is, there's going to be at least one more suddenly moment. These eyes, there's a really good chance at 62 years of age, if the Lord lets me live a little longer, there's a really good chance that these eyes could behold the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. For the Lord Himself shall descend from heaven with a shout and the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And the dead in Christ will rise first. 
And we who are alive and remain <clears throat> shall be called up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. That's the prophetic message. Let me give you the fourth and final point. Maybe if they want to play softly, they're welcome to do that. The posture of the delivered. Are you saved? If you're saved, you're delivered. Now, if you can't answer yes, you're not delivered. But let me tell you something about this. If you're a child of God, you're already delivered. Now, one of the beautiful things about Christmas, and it's just like this, Sister Dorothy's gift. I'll use this as a prop. For a gift to be a gift, it must first be given. Right? But the second component of a gift is that for a gift to be a gift, it must be received. But there's one more component to a gift. Not only must a gift be given, not only must a gift be received, but a gift, if it's going to be a gift, must be 100% free. Free. If Dorothy has to earn this gift, it's really not a gift. It's a wage. It's what she earned for something she did. No, this is a gift. We recognize what she's done, but... We didn't buy this gift because of what she's done. We buy this gift because we love her and we want to give her a free gift. The wages of sin is what? But the... The what? The gift of God. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Years ago I pastored, my first church I pastored in Detroit. Uh, Michigan, actually in Farmington Hills, is just north of Detroit, northeast of Detroit, but still in that general vicinity. I pastored a man, a beautiful man, from a, he really wasn't born and raised in Michigan. He'd moved up to work. After, he was on my board. He was one of my elders. And after developing a relationship for a while, I learned that he was uh, separated from his brother. He was separated from his brother, not because they lost touch with one another, but because they had hatred toward one another. They were apart on purpose. They purposed in their heart that they would never talk to each other again. That they would never have relationship with one another again. And that broke my heart. I talked to him about this on numerous occasions. But he was as solid as a stone wall. He wouldn't budge. So I say this to you. This year, I'm dreaming of a right Christmas. I'm believing in a right Christmas because God made a way in a manger. Right? 
And here's what I want you to understand. Sir, if your son or daughter has offended you, you go get them. You call them. You get a hold of them. You make peace with them. Don't let the hurt or disappointment blind you of your true feelings of love and care for them. Swallow your pride and fix it. Friend, if your neighbor's done you wrong, attempt to make it right. Maybe they won't hear you, but maybe they will. Fix it. Swallow your pride. Church member, if there's a neck you need to hug, if there's a card you need to mail, if there's a soft word that needs to be spoken, swallow your pride and fix it. Church member, brother, if you've made a vow like the one I described and you won't talk to a family member again, swallow your pride and fix it. Husband, if you've not shown your wife that you love her the way Christ loved the church, swallow your pride. Again, this morning, I took Teresa by the hand, and I looked her in the eye, and I said, I want you to know, I love you. I love you. Wife, perhaps there's a word you need to speak to the man you truly love. Swallow your pride. Do it. Fix it. Children, obey your parents. In doing so, years will be added to your life. That's what the Bible says. Don't just fill, church, your fireplace with chunks of wood. Fill people's hearts with chunks of good. Good will toward all men. That's the way to keep Christmas. That's a right Christmas. That's the way to love one another. Don't try to keep Christmas without bringing good to someone else. Take the time to mend fences. Build relationship. And adore family. You know what I get to do in 12 days? We're going to have a daughter. Does she look pregnant? Trust me, she's not. But we get a daughter-in-law. Our youngest son's getting married, and we get to build our family by a number again. Now I'll have two daughters. I love family. And I love Christmas. And I love Jesus. 
because he provided the wonderful things that I speak of today. And it's because of him that I have eternal life through Jesus Christ, my Lord. Stand with me, please. In a moment, Pastor Steve's going to come, but I asked him if I could pray with you before I... I've got to slip out and go to the Hispanic service. And I've got something I need to do over there with Pastor, with Bishop Jose. But I want to pray with you today because... You need to make sure your heart is ready. And the only way to know that is to receive the gift. It's free. It's free. All you have to do is take it. So I'm going to pray over you and then I'm going to slip out and Pastor Steve's going to come. But I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit right now, Father, by your Spirit melt our hearts and melt our wills and let us be a people right now. Right now, Lord. Let us be a people. that receives the free gift of salvation. Don't let anyone, don't let anybody leave this building today until they have made peace with you. For this I ask in Jesus' name.